Hi folks, John Curry here for another episode of John Curry's Secure Retirement Podcast. I'm sitting here with two friends that I've known for 28 years, Sonia and Bob Kadelka, and I am looking forward to this because these folks retired at a young age, have done some travel that will blow your mind. Hope we get into that today. But first, Sonia and Bob, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. I've been looking forward to this. Sonia, let's start with you, ladies first. Would you tell us a little bit about your background, how you and Bob met, and because of the career he had, your involvement? Just tell us a little bit about who you are. Okay. Well, first of all, I grew up in New Jersey. Um, I went to Montclair State College in New Jersey. It's a teacher's college. And I met Bob, who was at Stevens Institute of Technology, at a fraternity party. And one thing led to another, and we became engaged uh, my senior year of high school. College. Of college. Of college. And um, from there, we were married. Uh, I graduated in August, and we were married. And uh, from there, no, I graduated in June. We were married in August, and we then (laughs) moved about every... Two to three years, as he was going, as he was uh, working his way up the corporate ladder with Union Carbide. Very good. So, let Bob continue on. I want to come back to that in a moment to talk about, because you started your career then at Union Carbide. Tell us a bit about your background, Bob. Where did you grow up? I was born in New York City. Spent uh, most of my childhood years in Queens, and... uh, Went to Stevens, as Stevens Institute of Technology, as my wife says, and uh, graduated with a, an engineering degree and got a job with Union Carbide. And it was in a development lab at Union Carbide. And, uh, I was taking uh, interviews for mostly marketing and sales positions, and someone said, but if you start in marketing and sales, it's not a good idea to get, uh, uh, you'll be available to move back into something else that you might be good at and enjoy. So I started thinking about that, and I said, okay, I'll go with Union Carbide, and I'll be a development engineer. So I was, uh, worked in areas of steel making, uh, uh, oil extraction, uh, liquid nitrogen freezing and freezing of foods, have two patents, uh, very exciting time, stayed there for about five years, and moved to uh, Hibbing, Minnesota, where we had a process uh, to... Uh, to uh, mine iron ore. And uh, from Hibbing, Minnesota, we went to Birmingham, Alabama. Then we went from Birmingham, Alabama to, to Chicago, from Chicago to Hibbing, from Hibbing to Belgium, from Belgium <laughs> to Connecticut, from Connecticut <clears throat> to Houston, from Houston to Connecticut. And I'm probably <laughs> skipping one or two places. Then but New we Jersey. eventually. Huh? And then back to New Jersey. And back to New Jersey, where it all started. <laughs> It's a weird way to go, isn't it? And uh, basically uh, decided that I wanted to do something else other than climb the corporate ladder uh, through marketing and general management jobs and that kind of thing. And uh, decided that I wanted to uh, uh, teach college history. And uh, so uh, we had a condo in Destin, Florida. uh, And I wanted to find a university that was uh, convenient to accessibility to Destin, Florida because we liked uh, Destin. And so we chose Florida State and moved to Tallahassee in 1991, uh, when we met this uh, this guy over here. <laughs> and uh, 
I went in and I had to get a, a, a Master of Arts degree in history because all I had was an, a mechanical engineering degree and a, and a Master's in Physical Metallurgy from Stevens. And so uh, I did that, uh, took all my classes to get the doctorate. Florida State wanted me to teach there, so I did for about almost five years. And uh, then decided that uh, we should do a little more traveling. We wanted to see the world. Well, now, wait a minute. While he was in school. Right. I was going to say, let's back up, because I want to I want to hear more before you get to the FSU story. Go ahead, Sonia. <laughs> well, while he was in school, I thought, hmm, wouldn't it be nice if I decided to go back to school? And I had... Um, I had been teaching uh, after we uh, got married and, uh, of course, had to leave teaching because we were traveling, as you heard, every two years. What were you teaching? Business education courses. So I decided to go back to school because I've I've always been interested in um, working with the poor. And so I decided to get a master's degree in social work. And um, so we had a good time while he was at Florida State and I was at Florida State. We would meet in the quad and have lunch together, and he would carry my books to my next class. That's amazing. And you're in your 50s here, right? And yes, that's this right. We're in our 50s. So, right. so think about what you're in, folks. So you got people who had a, a career, mm-hmm. and then you retire. So instead of just retiring and doing nothing, you retired and went back to school. Mm-hmm. Both of you. Yes. Yes, we did. Interesting. Okay. And we had such a good time with the young people. They were so accepting of us. Um, we attended a lot of parties then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, it so was this was like being... Uh, 27. Going yeah. back in time. Yes. It? Yes, it that was. That had to be fascinating. Yeah, we had a good time. We really did. And It was um, very interesting competing against the 26 to 28-year-olds who were making their, their living and wanting to make a living in teaching teaching history uh, at, at the college level. And uh, I just was there to uh, learn how to do it uh, because it's always been a passion of mine since I was a teenager. I've read history books, uh, uh, not having any problems at all with uh, wanting to... I wanted to actually be a history professor uh, when I graduated from high school, but circumstances intervened and I got an engineering degree. But... So I had a chance to do what I wanted to do back then. Let's back up, and we'll come back here in a moment. Sonia, talk to us a little bit about how difficult was it raising a family, moving as much as you had to because of Bob's career. Talk about that for a minute. Or was it difficult? Uh, at times it was. I think the most difficult time was to, to leave New Jersey and move to Minnesota and leave my family behind. Um I think that was probably the hardest. Then after that, it just got easy. Did you have Bob and Steve at that point? Oh, we only had one child. Okay. We had uh, we had our oldest son at that time, and um, yeah, we it, it was interesting. It was fun. You had to make it fun. Uh, it got got to a point where houses were just houses. Mm. You know, it was so it wasn't it, a home. You're just there no, temporary. it was a house and it was a temporary place, and we tried to make it a home per per se. Um, if things weren't done done in the house in the first six months, they were never going to get done. That's we were going to be leaving. <laughs> and then when we moved from Minnesota to Birmingham, Alabama, I thought I died and went to heaven because of the weather. The weather was absolutely glorious there. And, um, I mean, the azaleas were in bloom where in Minnesota it was still snowing, you know, that kind of thing. Um, 
Yeah, so, I mean, I think I looked at it as a, a fun time, an exciting time. And uh, we grew as a family, there was no question about that. Being away from our extended family, we had to learn to depend on one another. And I think that was really important. It made us very close. And our second son was born in Birmingham. Yes, and our second son was born in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. Very good, very good. All right, Bob, back to what you were saying. Let's talk about what led up to you retiring at such a young age. I think you told me 52, right? Yeah. Why did you retire at such a young age? What, what was the motivation? Uh, corporate politics, frankly. Uh we had two guys who were senior vice presidents. I worked for one of them, and the other guy got the president's job. And I realized at the time that I was not going to be uh, looked upon with uh, promotional favor. And I said, I've had enough of this. I could do what I wanted to do when I was a youngster. And so what I did was uh, enroll at Florida State. Kind of interesting, at Florida State, uh, they, they quizzed me when I applied. They said, uh, You've never taken a a history course in college. I said, that's correct. You had no experience in your humanities classes with history. And I said, very small. So they said, well, we're going to have to accept you on a provisional basis. And I said, what does that mean? Well, you're going to have to get a B in all your courses when you take. I said, that's okay. I think I can handle that. (laughs) Then Then I took the GREs, got significant grades in the GREs. And they said, I got a nice call from the dean's secretary saying, you're no longer a provisional entry. <laughs> Your grades were high enough on those two tests to uh, say, you're welcome to our, our program. So uh, uh, I got a uh, Master's of Arts in History and then studied uh, for the Ph.D. and started teaching at Florida State. And uh, loved the experience until I got to the point where uh, they gave me 129 students in a very large classroom, all by myself, my second year. And I said, well, this is, well, they had to work like crazy, they had to get certain things done, and uh, then the next year they gave me 129 again. And I said, uh, why do I get the big coliseum here and uh, I have 129 students? He said, well, the secretary of the dean said, if you had 130, we'd have to give you a teaching assistant. I said, okay. <laughs> you can cross that out if you want. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> So uh, I taught there for, I said, almost, uh, almost five years and then decided to uh, really retire. And uh, maybe you want to comment about that. Oh, you just did. Yeah. <laughs> you did say that you, we went to school together, didn't you? Well, after I got my MSW, um, I, I really wanted to go into private practice, but I didn't know what he was going to do. And you needed to spend two years um, under a tutelage of um, someone. And I I didn't know how long we were going to be in Tallahassee because I didn't know how long he was going to teach. I never knew what he was going to do. He might have picked up after a year and said, I've had enough of this. Yeah, you were so used to being a vagabond. There you go. So uh, I wound up uh, working for the uh, Guardian Ed Lighten program and really enjoyed that. About nine years. Yeah, I, I remember nine you doing years, that. Yeah, and wound up being volunteer of the year one year, so it was quite an honor, and uh, found it to be very, very rewarding. Um, we came down uh, t- here to the villages on a lark. Um, we just had heard about this place and decided that uh, we would just get away for a few days from Tallahassee, and uh, they had a special program here 
where you could stay in one of the um, nice homes and they would give you money, per se, fun money. And you could rent a golf cart and go to the movies. You could play golf. You could do whatever you wanted to do, go out to eat. So we rented a golf cart, and we were riding around the facility, and um, this man over here says, you know, this is really nice here. It's very well maintained. And he said, if we don't do this now, we'll probably do it in a couple of years. I said, what? I remember that what? conversation. When you came back and we had our review, we were talking about that, and I was shocked. Ah. Uh, I went, you've got to be kidding me. I said, well, why would we wait? I mean, if this is what you really want to do, well, then let's do it. Well, we started looking at houses and wound up buying a house. That same week. That was 14 years ago, right? 14 years ago. That's correct. Mm -hmm. That's cool. So, so let, let's hit the pause button here for a second and analyze what we've heard so far. Okay, you, you got this couple. They meet. They get married very young. Traditional family from the standpoint, the husband goes off and has his career. Mm -hmm. You weren't working then, you are just no. building the family. Okay, So then you end up retiring. You move to Tallahassee. So you both go to college. So you're like high school or college sweethearts walking around <laughs> on campus. This is so cool. And then you decide you want to teach. So you teach and do something that you'd always wanted to do but got on the back burner. So... You retire, correct. and you say, I'm going to go back and you know, fire up this passion again and go to work at learning the history and teaching. And I did. Then you decide to retire. Would you call it really retire? I think you said a moment ago, fully retire. So talk to us a little bit about your passion for travel. Then I want to come back to the, your art from in a minute. But, Sonia, all, over the years, every time we get together for dinners or something, you're, just, you're always talking about the travel you do. So let's talk about that some. What are some of the most memorable trips you were wow. going on? Because you guys seem like you were going on a cruise almost every month <laughs> to, to me. Yeah. Well, it is kind of interesting <clears throat> because uh, I thought I'd never want to cruise. I mean, being on a ship with all those people out in the water, oh, my gosh. Well, when... when uh, uh, Bob retired, he said, Let, we want, what do you want to do? You want to do something different? And he said, how about if we take a, a cruise to Bermuda? Now, we went there on our honeymoon, and I thought, mm, I could buy that, leaving New York Harbor, going to Bermuda. Yeah, okay. Well, we did, and uh, we really enjoyed it. We were bitten by the cruise bug. There was no question about that. But in addition to that, we also wanted to go places where we would learn something about the culture of the area, of the area that we were visiting. Not only do we do a lot have we done a lot of cruising, but we also have done a lot of touring in China, in Turkey, in Egypt, um, help me out here. Australia, New Zealand. Yeah, Australia, New Zealand, Tibet. Um, but when we went to China, she said, if we're here in China, I want to go to Tibet. <laughs> so what did I say? Yes, dear. <laughs> <laughs> so we did that. And uh, yes, we have we have really enjoyed uh, the chance to go all over the world. Well, it's interesting though that we were uh, stationed in Belgium for almost three years, uh, doing things with the Benelux, and uh, uh, the company gave a thirty percent addition to your basic salary because you were 
in a different situation with different different exposures and maybe needed some additional money. So Sonia and I sat down and we said, uh, we could save this money and buy better housing or when we get back home, or we can use it for travel. Well, this friendly little girl says, oh, I want to travel with the money. Well, we traveled all over Europe. We traveled, uh, you name it, in Europe, we were probably there except for Scandinavia. And uh, we had a really good time in Greece and places like that and uh, all over England and places like that. And, and it, was a, it, was, it was well done. But then when we got back, back home from being away for three years, we had already sold our house in Houston at the time. We came back and we were going to buy a house in Connecticut. Well, then we said, oh, we should have saved some of our money. <laughs> because look at the price of these houses in Connecticut. So uh, we splurged and did the best we could and played it tight for a while, but uh, somehow we survived. Thinking back on that, do you think that was the right decision to go spend the money and do the travel while you had the opportunity, while you were healthy? Any regrets of doing that? Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. I, I think it's the opposite that's the problem. I've been doing my business, 40, I'm in my 45th year now on the retirement planning side. And Time I said, to retire. Well, I don't want to retire. I hope I never retire. Uh, be like George Burns, still working at 100, but on my terms. But I see people who keep saying, well, I'm going to, I won't do this. I'll wait until I retire. I'll wait until I retire. Mm-hmm. And then one of them gets sick or there's an injury or something and they can't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. You know, but you did the opposite. You know, at a young age, traveled, did a lot mm-hmm. of stuff. Yeah, we were fortunate to be able to do that. But then again, you know, we, we moved a lot too. Oh my gosh, we moved. Yeah, I think we had 14 different homes in yeah. the process of uh, uh, going from uh, 1960 when I started to uh, 1991 when I retired the first time. Wow. And uh, that was moving around. So <clears throat> some places would spend 11 months and uh, other places would stay uh, three or four years. So it averaged out. I can hear some people now saying, wait a minute, if I had to move that much, I don't think I'd ever travel again. No, yeah, I don't. I don't equate uh, moving with traveling. That's different. Traveling was a pleasure. Moving was a general uh, uh, pain in the butt. <laughs> it was just a condition of your employment. Yes. In other words, if you were climbing the corporate ladder, you had to move around. Right. Mm-hmm. You couldn't stay in one place. That and that's what I was attempting to do, and uh, I was semi-successful in it. Okay. All right. Let's talk about the villages. You decided to move to the villages. Mm-hmm. And you got interested in golf, and you play golf on a regular basis. Tell us about that. Yes, uh, you I, didn't play golf until you moved here, right? Well, that's not true. Okay. Actually, um, I, in Birmingham. But it's more true than it's not. Yes, in Birmingham, <laughs> uh, I had some friends in our neighborhood that played a lot of golf, and the club pro. We belonged to a country club there. The club pro lived on our street. And so, through some urging, they said, why don't you come out and take some lessons and see if you like it, which I did. But I found out with young children, you know, you can't go out and play 18 holes of golf and have lunch. (laughs) I mean, it just wasn't working out. And so, uh, I did play for a while there and um, actually learned to play there. Then when we got here in the villages um, and all the golf courses that we have, then I picked it up again. And that's, I love it. I absolutely love it. I, at one point, I was playing five days a week. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I remember one time I got to play with you and your yeah. friends. Yeah. 
It was a fun day. We had a good time. Yeah. Now, Bob, do you, were you playing much golf in the first movie? Well, being raised in New York City and playing stoop ball and uh, American handball and that kind of thing, you get a, a different slant on things, and golf wasn't at the head of the agenda. In fact, for me, it's never been really at the head of the agenda because uh, when you start having kids, uh, I used to like to coach them, uh, baseball, soccer. I played three sports in college, uh, soccer, squash, and baseball. So uh, when the kids were playing anything close to those two things, I was happy to uh, become the uh, manager of the team and do that with them because I could spend more time with them. And uh, so we, we enjoyed that. Uh, one thing I'd like to add, though, is that uh, uh, our two sons had six grandkids. And when these, each of these grandkids at 10 years old, uh, we invited them on a cruise with us. We loved to cruise, and we assumed that they would love to cruise. And uh, we did have um, uh, let them choose where they wanted to go. One chose Alaska, one chose the Eastern Caribbean, one chose the Western Caribbean. One wanted to go to Paris. We said, oh, no, not yet. <laughs> so she took a Disney cruise. But every time one of the six grandkids hit 10 years old, we had a, we had a week with them, away from their parents, away from their siblings, and really had a chance to get to know them. And they still talk about it. So traveling with your grandkids on a cruise is a very positive experience for us. And we were very fortunate that their parents would allow them to go with us. Right. Yeah, that's true. That's, uh, that was big. But that was, that was very pleasurable. <clears throat> that's building memories. Yes, oh, it boy. is. See, long after we're dead and gone, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, will remember the things that they did with us and the feeling they had long, long more than they'll remember anything we leave physically. Exactly, yeah. And it's more it's more important to them. Heck, probably most of the stuff we leave behind that I want. Mm -hmm. But they want those memories, and they'll always have that. Interesting. We were on a cruise with our fifth grandchild, and I collect things. I have uh, history books. <laughs> I have uh, coin collections, stamp collections, uh, things. I collect things. I even collect sand from around the world. Yep. I have 200 samples of sand from around the world. So I've, I asked these, uh, this 10-year-old uh, boy, I said to him, uh, you know, Grandpa's got a lot of uh, collections. Is there any one of my collections that you want? And he thought a little bit. And he said, no, Grandpa, I don't want any, any of your collections. And he stopped. And I said, okay, well, what am I going to do with all this stuff? Five, ten minutes later, he says, Grandpa, there is something you you have that I want. And I said, what's that? Your money. <laughs> I mean, like, your those, money. those are beautiful memories. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Your money. <laughs> You've been collecting money. I want yeah, that. I want that. <laughs> That's funny. All right, let's talk, let's talk about something for just a second here. If you had the ability, when you do, because people listen to this, what advice would you offer the person who is in their 50s, maybe even their 60s, and they're trying to decide what to do. Do I keep working longer? Do I retire? What do I do in retirement? Just what, what would you say to someone if you were sitting here face-to-face -face with them that was posing that question? There, there are three things you need when you retire, in my opinion. you got to have your health. You need good health. You gotta be financially okay. You don't have to be financially independent, 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 but you have to be financially okay. And then you have to have something to do. Right. Time you gotta have something you love to do. And when I retired for the last time, I, I became somewhat of an artist. Yes. 
I had something to do. I had a group of people who were willing to help me, a group of people that I liked, a group of people we socialized with. Art became one of my passions in my now years. And, uh, and you're I'll, good at it too, so before we leave that, also, you told me earlier over lunch, uh, tell us about your display, what's happening at the one of the rec centers. Oh, there's a rec uh, you really want that? It's, I do. I've, I've been a, do. I've been designated a spotlight artist uh, for our club, which has over two hundred members. It's a colored pencil club, and I I favor colored pencil as an art medium. And uh, uh, they came to me and asked me, "Could I have twelve of your paintings? We want to put you up as the spotlight artist uh, for the summer in uh, one of the rec centers here in the villages." So I said, "Of course." And I, I gave them twelve of my paintings, and now my walls are bare. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. Yeah, bare. Yeah, okay. I, I see several of them right there. Yeah, but they're better than they were. And I saw the one of my grandson on your. Oh, wall that was a pleasure. That you did. I forget how many years ago now. He's thirteen well, now. He's thirteen now, and he was probably six, five. I'm thinking five or six. So yeah, long time ago. It's a cute it's picture. Right. Anyway, I enjoyed doing it. So, Sonia, what about you? Bob hits something I call it time freedom and money freedom. You got to have time freedom and money freedom, but you also have to be healthy to enjoy it. That's right. What What would you add to that? What What, what are your thoughts? Well, you have to find something that really sparks your interest. Um, you know, I love to read, so I belong to two book clubs here in the villages. Um, I do play golf, which takes up a lot of time. There's no question about that. Um, How many times a week did you play golf? Five times a week. Now, mind you, two of those times I play on the championship courses, which is 18 holes, and the other times were only nine-hole golf courses, executive courses. courses. Um, I substitute in in bridge clubs here in the villages. Um, I am very active in my church, so I do, I'm on the parish council of my church, so there are things that I think you can find to occupy your time and I think it's really important that you do and uh, the thing the thing that people uh, talk to me about when I when I don't come to art for a while and I'm trying to do something else the uh, my mentor a woman named Nan Klein here in the villages says Bob you haven't been doing much art lately I said yeah because I've been doing this she says Pick up the pencil. <laughs> and I say, yes, ma'am. So I start, and, and I, that's what I really want to do. So that's what I do. So, Well, he's got me involved I'm, in doing that now also. What I'm trying to say to people who are in the process of, uh, of trying to get something fo- focused for them to do, get off your butt and do it. That's right. Good advice. Let's talk a little bit about the financial side for a minute. You mentioned that. You have been very disciplined over the years I've known you, I've known you almost 30 years. Talk a little bit about, you, you made a comment earlier about spending the money to do travel. But at the same time, you've been good stewards of your assets. You haven't wasted money. Talk a little bit about the importance and what you, what advice you would offer someone to get on a path of where they have that money for them you mentioned a minute ago. Well, one of the first things I would say is uh, you need a good financial advisor. And, uh, and uh, I found one. And I think he's right across the table from me. <laughs> Thank you, Bob. And he had a... Uh, so when we started to do things, I, I met him because I had a life insurance policy 
and he was a representative of the company I bought the life insurance policy when we moved to Tallahassee. And then from that sprung a very nice relationship and friendship. And uh, it was been a very knowledgeable experience for me to utilize him as uh, John as a uh, as my mentor in financial matters. Uh, his advice is usually good, and what I do is uh, usually uh, good, huh? <laughs> usually, <laughs> usually good. Anyhow, the uh, the whole the whole concept of uh, of of uh, being financially you don't need a lot of money. But you need enough money to be able to do the things you'd like to do. And uh, retiring at 52 uh, was a gamble, but I haven't had a full-time paying job other than teaching at a, at a college, and that wasn't very uh, lucrative uh, since, uh, since that moment in time when we retired. So we were going to take what we had and utilize that in a very uh, frugal manner, and uh, uh, survive, and apparently we did. And you've done a good job of that. And the, I think the key is being frugal. You didn't go spend everything. You could have had much bigger houses than you had. You manage your money well, and the money you spent was from an outsider looking in was family. You talked about having the place in Destin. You got the family together every year. So I want Sonia. I like you to talk about that for a moment. You're nodding your head there about that. How important has that been in your lives at this point, looking back at having all these family vacations around Christmas every year? Well, also it started before that. In the summertime, we always had uh, the family coming during the summer. Um, because of the kids being in school, they could always come to Destin, and they would spend a week with us. But then we started uh, having Christmas, and, um, and we always spent, the, spent Christmas in Destin. And it, it's, I don't know, it's just tradition. Everybody wants to do it, and they want to know when they should come, and uh, we just we just have a wonderful and, time. And the grandkids know nothing else. That's been it's, their tradition. Exactly. For the, uh, the Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, they spend with the other half of their family, mm-hmm. and on the 26th of December to uh, New, Year's, uh, New Year's and New Year's Eve, uh, they're in Destin every year. Yeah. And uh, getting together both both families from the two boys, three kids each, very nice wives, very fortunate wives. We're very fortunate to have <laughs> daughter-in-laws like that. Yes, it became a uh, uh, tradition. Tradition, and uh, it's a tradition that I've loved. And it's fun watching you guys because I've had the pleasure of being there a few times with you, at least one day of those. And it's just fascinating, all those activities going on. You know, you're watching some ball games together. Uh, you've always got some game you guys are playing. You're not sure well, I, I put together <laughs> pools for football, how much money is in the jar, uh, what's in the box, <laughs> those kind of games. It's always crazy stuff. Uh, awesome. But, the, but the, the grandkids win money if they... Uh, <laughs> if they are the winner of the various games we play. Ah, now we know the real reason they, they, the reason. Reason. <laughs> they get money. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not that much, but it's uh, something that they remember. Yeah, it's funny. So, what's next for you, folks? You're, you're not slowing down. You're still going. You're 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 doing things. You're still going to do travel. We hope to. Yeah. Why not? In fact, we're, we're talking about a couple of places that we want to go to. We have not been to Iceland. We'd like to go to Iceland. And uh, we'd like to take uh, 
uh, riverboat on the Columbia River out in uh, uh, the Oregon Territories. And uh, Sonia wants to do a riverboat uh, on the, uh, somewhere in Europe. We haven't done that We've yet. never done that yet. I thought you had. No, no not a riverboat. Uh-uh. We like to take transatlantic voyages back to the U.S. Mm-hmm. So when we leave uh, Barcelona or London, the boat is going with the time so that you can correct the clock for one hour on your five days going back and you're not, you don't feel it like a bang when you get here and have to make the adjustment from a plane. I never thought of that. That's a great idea. Oh, yeah. oh it is. It works out. So you don't get yourself worn out. We've had a good life. We've been yes. very fortunate. We really have. Yeah. And our health is pretty good. Yeah. My doctor says I'm in better health than he is, and he's only 50. <laughs> we've had some bumps in the road, but we've managed, yeah. as everybody has. So, but uh, no. Well, you beat cancer, girl. That's true, I have. Breast mm-hmm. cancer survivor right here, and that's mm-hmm. part of you, you, the people you meet with here, too. That's right. I'm surprised you didn't mention that, because you like those people. Yes. Yeah, oh, that's right. There is a, a wonderful support group here. So, I mean, there's so many things here in the villages that uh, you can become involved in, and and it's up to you. It's your decision, whatever you want to do. Get off your butt. That's great. I think that's good advice. Just determine what you want to do and then go do it and quit making excuses. Mm -hmm. Do it or don't do it. But take the time. I call it stepping back, thinking about what you want, reflect on it, talk about it as a couple, and then have a game plan Mm -hmm. and go do it. Just go do it. Uh, I want, before we get off here, so we'll travel, talk a little bit about your experience of going to China. Weren't you there like a month? Oh, no, we weren't there. Uh, three, weeks. Oh, we were three, three weeks. Three weeks. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was incredible. Uh, we flew into Beijing, and we were with a wonderful tour company. Uh, it was overseas adventure travel. And they were absolutely incredible. There were, what, 15 of us on that tour? Yep. And uh, from there, we went to... We took a train down to from Beijing, from Beijing to Xi'an, and from Xi'an we were down on the Yangtze and took a boat uh, through the Three Gorges Dam, and then from there we went to Shandu, and from Shandu we flew to Tibet, to Lhasa, Lhasa. and um, you know this is all during a three-week period, so we saw a lot, we did a lot, um, we intermingled with the Chinese people. Stayed in their houses? Yes, we stayed in, yes, we did in a farmhouse. We stayed in a farmhouse with um, uh, a Chinese family. It was, it was terrific. It was really wonderful. The other fantastic trip that we took was the Turkey trip. Yes. Where we flew into Istanbul and uh, went from Istanbul down to Ephesus and uh, went through that historical area and then uh, further down to the turquoise coast where we got on a goulette and spent four days on a goulette sailing. What's a goulette? It's a boat. A yacht. A yacht. Okay. A big yacht. Yeah. Now, again, this is only, I think there were only 14 of us on that. Yeah. And so um, we, we uh, sailed along the coast and at night anchored and... Uh, our captain was Barbarossa, we called him. <laughs> and our chef, they caught the food off the boat. Wow. Seafood. And cooked it. Uh, it. It was amazing. And then from there, we went up to a place uh, called Cappadocia with uh, these, uh, what were they made out of? 
uh, sandstone. Yeah, you know, kind of sandstone houses, and um, we took a balloon ride uh, over that topography, which was absolutely incredible. Uh, that was in, that was also a, almost a three week trip. Yeah. Another outstanding trip was the our trip to Egypt, where we were another balloon ride. Another balloon ride the over Nile. the Nile. Yes. <laughs> I'm just listening to you. You got me motivated to want to go oh. do some more travel. Oh, it's really, yeah. We've, we've been very fortunate. We've, we've gone to some very interesting places and done some very interesting things. Well, I know we got some plans here coming, so, so let's, let's wrap up. Uh, any closing thoughts you'd like to share before we wrap up here? Well, enjoy what you're going to do. Because if you don't enjoy it, it's not going to be worth it. We we seem to hit things that uh, we started a couple of things we didn't enjoy, so we stopped it and we did other things. But the traveling we enjoyed. Uh, I've enjoyed my uh, my original uh, profession, my uh, secondary pr- uh, profession, and I really like doing art now. Just enjoy what you're going to do. I agree. You have to enjoy what you're doing. There's no question about that. And I mean, there are times that I don't feel like getting up at 6 o'clock in the morning to go out and play golf. But once I get motivated and I'm out there and it's beautiful and it's quiet and serene and you're with a group of people that you enjoy, I mean, it's there's nothing better than that. So, you know, yeah, get out and do. I love it. That's awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. And folks, I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. But, and by the way, I forgot to say this. Normally, these are done in my office. I'm actually sitting in their kitchen, sitting here with my recorder, sitting in a coffee cup <coughs> doing this. So, Can we have a martini now? Yeah, I'm ready for the martini. Bob. So we're going to say goodbye now and go have a martini. If you would like to know more about John Curry Services, you can request a complimentary information package by visiting johnhcurry.com slash podcast. Again, that is johnhcurry.com slash podcast. Or you can call his office at 850-562-3000. Again, that is 850-562-3000. John H. Curry, Chartered Life Underwriter, Charter Financial Consultant, Accredited Estate Planner, Master's in Science and Financial Services, Certified in Long-Term Care, Registered Representative and Financial Advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. Securities, products, and services and advisory services are offered through Park Avenue Securities, a registered broker-dealer and investment advisor. Financial Representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is an indirect, wholly-owned subsidiary of Guardian. North Florida Financial Corporation is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities. Park Avenue Securities is a member of FINRA and SIPC. This material is intended for general public use. By providing this material, we are not undertaking to provide investment advice for any specific individual or situation or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity. Please contact one of our financial professionals for guidance and information specific to your individual situation. All investments contain risk and may lose value. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, or employees do not provide legal, tax, or accounting advice. Please consult with your attorney, accountant, and or tax advisor for advice concerning your particular circumstances, not affiliated with the Florida Retirement System. The Living Balance Sheet and the Living Balance Sheet logo are registered service marks of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. Copyright 2005 through 2018. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities or Guardian and opinions stated are their own.